0: If you will, open up your Bibles to John, the 13th chapter. We started a series a few weeks ago called A New Way for a New Day. And I will say this, these set of scriptures we're about to look at, to me, are super fascinating because a lot of times when we think about, you know, what were the things Jesus said? What were we supposed to do? You hear this, the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, bam, right? Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts 1, and some other, you know, scriptures that talk about what to do after, you know, he left. But in all reality, this area where we're looking at is the most extensive thing Jesus taught right before he left about how we're to act after he leaves, And this was a a startling thing to them, and uh, we'll look at why. But if you turn to John 13, verse 1, we're going to start here. And I know this, for our church, there is something coming upon us. There's a new day. I know the Lord's been dealing with me. I'm familiar with His dealings, so I know these things will come to pass. Will it be next Tuesday? I don't know exactly, but I know it presses strong And it doesn't take much entertainment in my thoughts, praying, talking to the Lord. And out of the inside, I recognize it's right there. Something is changing and dramatically. And so I have hope for that. And I'm doing what I know to do, but I know it's changing. And it's interesting because so many other people notice these same things. And so that being said, things were changing here for them too. And it was real quick, it was real big, and real dramatic, and right before the change, the Lord tried to set them up for this new way of life. And so here in John 13, 1, it says, now, before the feast, and this is really the last stretch of Jesus' free life, so to speak, before he was taken And then beaten and all these things. It says, now before the feast, the Passover, when Jesus, notice this phrase, knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, so he knew, I'm out of here. And it goes on to talk about how he loved them, but then immediately knowing this, he starts teaching how to act when he left. And it's interesting, phrases about his departure and how we should act are repeated again and again through 13, 14, and 15 chapters, the 15th chapter, 16th chapter of John. And so if he said, hey, it's changing, get ready. Well, what was changing? They had, really, they had wrong ideas, but they had been being taught, but they had these wrong ideas. They didn't realize that such a major change was going to happen, how they served, the attitudes they had, how they had prayed. Remember, most people, you know, who have been Christians for any length of time, or maybe even not, know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, they got taught that prayer at the beginning. That changed. He was setting them up here how they are going to pray different, how they were going to communicate different, how they were going to hear different from God. It's real interesting to me. And so today we're talking about the fourth thing Jesus said that we should adopt in this new time that we're entering into, meaning them as the disciples, but now we as people live in this new time. Amen? How long does this time last? This time lasts from the time Jesus died and rose to the time he returns. These principles are to be followed. So John 14, and we'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read these four verses. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. That's pretty good. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now, if you read that, you realize he is covering the fact, I'm departing, you're staying, but what is it that he told us there that is instructional for life? The very first verse, let not your heart be troubled. Don't live a life of turmoil. Don't live a life of worry. Don't live a life of fear. And it's interesting he commanded them, don't. So then that means if you, know, if you tell your kid now, don't do this, and they do it, whose fault is it? Yours? Theirs. Why? Because the responsibility is on them, right? And so when Jesus said this, he said, Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, I'm going to be with my father. So, really, what he said is you have a responsibility over your own heart. Not your physical heart. The physical heart is the center that drives life through your body, blood. Your spiritual heart is the core way you look at things, the core way you believe, the core way you ponder. And he said, You're responsible for that. Well, I knew you'd be glad about that. But hey, it's better for us to know this instead of going, Lord, help me. Just take this away right now. And then it doesn't happen. And then we get mad and think, What's your problem, God? And it's not his problem. Right? I know a lot of people think God is in control, but He's not. No matter who says it, God is not in control. Do you really believe God's in control? If God was in control, don't you think everybody in the world would be here in church on Sunday morning? At this church, of course. No, any church that teaches the truth. Do you think that then there's going to be a bunch of people following false religions? If God's in control? No. Right? If God was in control, would there be evil happening in the earth? No. No. Because if he's in control, he's out of control. He's doing some bad stuff. He's that what was a Toy Story kid? Remember him, the bad guy on the other side of the fence. What would you call him? Sid, Satan, Sid, whatever. That bad kid. You would think God was kind of like that, you know? Like we're an ant farm, and uh, he burns us with a magnifying glass. Oh, look at this, and the ants all oh, and look, look what he did over there. That's not God. There's so many things people aren't factoring when they're saying God's in control. Actually, God gave control of the earth and how things functioned for a time to man. Man sold out to Satan. Jesus had to come to get it back to get us authority over him. And the sooner we know that, the better off we are. Because then why would I give an account for my life if God's in control? You made me say the F word, Jesus. Did he? I heard one uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. The rest of you aren't even sure. Did he make me say that or what? No, he never made you. Hey, what's that guy way back, Sammy Davis Jr., the devil made me do it? No, he didn't either. Both are trying to influence you. You get a choice in the matter. And that's what Jesus is saying. You have a choice here. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Then he, he wanted them to do what? To be mindful that he's alive after his departure. Because he's alive right now. And he's doing something right now. Now, it's interesting. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But as we read through all the different things he's going to do until he returns, you know, in other words, what's going to happen here on the earth, but what's happening in heaven, this isn't the only thing he's up there doing. It's not like he's up there with a hammer and nails going, hey, I'm busy right now. Don't talk to me. No, he's doing numerous things. You with me? And so he wanted them to live mindful That he was alive in heaven. That they could live and should live life thinking of eternity. That changes how we live when we recognize it's not eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we'll see the Lord. You get what I mean? Meaning soon. Live knowing that someday I'm going to be there too. And then also we need to be aware, and these things are in these scriptures, that he's coming again. Even though you don't see him right now, he is coming again. Why did he tell them these things? Why was this a new way? There's some real interesting thoughts here that are actually factual. See, if you study the Bible, they've been with Jesus three years. I know there are a lot of good preachers and teachers out there, but there were none as good as Jesus. He is perfect. He never said anything wrong. I'm still seeing things. But here he is. He's teaching away. Now remember this. His disciples have been with him for three years. They've been at every Jesus seminar Serious, every Jesus service, every Jesus prayer meeting for the most part. You know, I mean, for the most part, these 12 have been there almost always. You know, there's a few times he went to pray and he took three with them or these three with them. But these guys have something totally different than the multitudes. Totally different. Here's what's interesting to me. Knowing they've been there the whole time, uh, he's changing their thinking why they've been thinking wrong the whole time. Well, you can be dismissed. No. What do we mean? Well, they believed that Jesus was going to immediately set up his earthly kingdom on the earth right then. They had believed that for three years. They had believed wrong doctrine for three years and were traveling with Jesus, walking with Jesus, and they believed at some point in the immediate future, even after he died and rose again, they said, are you going to set up your kingdom now? Remember that in Acts of first chapter? They were still believing wrong, Um, we're so brilliant 2,000 years later, we know that ain't happening till his second return. But here they are living with him for three years, and they're still believing wrong in this area. Did that mean they didn't have a relationship with Jesus? Did that mean they weren't seeing miracles? Did that mean good things weren't happening? No. Did that mean they were just, woo? No, it just should give us hope to know we don't know it all. I mean, three years. They believed it was going to turn out a certain way, and it wasn't. How many of you have been walking with God and thought, well, it's going to turn out this way, and it didn't? And you were persuaded this is how it's going to go down. And they were persuaded the same way. Well, that being said, you don't think your heart could get troubled? You get inward turmoil thinking, "Uh uh-oh, it's not happening exactly like I had it planned. Well, I'm glad you guys are excited. But this is the truth. It's not happening how they planned it totally plan hey man because they they had already had discussions they had family members go to Jesus remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago you ask him you know can we sit on this side and this side at the right hand of his power in this place and Jesus said it's not mine to give well they were wanting that in his kingdom they were convinced this is going down and it's going down now they didn't realize he's teaching in the 13th 14th now these chapters weren't there nor was the book, but this is what he taught during that time, that this was going to how they and us and whoever else was going to serve the Lord were going to need to live for 2,000-something years. Then he'd set up his kingdom. And so, I mean, I don't know about you, but this was a real opportunity for them to become troubled, distressed, discouraged. And the first thing Jesus said is, well, you should have known better huh, now you're going to eat it. No, he didn't. He immediately tried to help them recognize you don't need to be discouraged. Just because you misread how it was going to go down doesn't mean it's not going to go down. I mean, I don't know about you. I figured we'd be in a different place by now as a church. But at the same time, I know it's happening. I never dreamed, oh, I'm going to be a youth pastor for like a long time. <laughs> All those years. Because the Lord had spoken to me about other things in the future. Does that mean that, that those things have expired? No, because he still deals with me. And I know they're coming just like this church started out of something he dealt with me three and a half years before it happened. And now he's dealing with me about a new day happening in the effect of it. And so I'm like, well, I know I can't make that happen either. They couldn't make this happen. But he said, listen, because you've had this one way of thought, you need to get your mind adjusted or your heart's going to be troubled. You're going to live discouraged. Amen? But the fact of the matter is that tells us we have something to play with our own heart and whether we're encouraged or discouraged. Right? The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. You mean you can encourage yourself in the Lord? Yeah, sometimes you might be the only one. Right? Well, what are you supposed to do? Go up to some? You know, the Bible said, is anyone tested or tried among you? Let him pray. Is anybody rejoicing? Let him sing songs. Is anybody sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Well, what if I was totally merry and full of joy and everything, and I just went up to you and said, Sing a song for me. Right? And put it off on you. A lot of people do that with prayer. I'm in a tough time. Pray for me. But he said, when you're in a tough time, pray. In other words, when you're in a time where your heart maybe be giving you trouble. What are you supposed to do? Not let it be troubled. You have to do something. You might be the only one that will be able to encourage yourself. What am I supposed to do? Walk up to you and go, will you encourage me right now? Seems awkward. <laughs> you're wonderful. Thank you. A couple more. Well, you're great. No, come on. Say it like you mean it. No, I might just need to get in my car and drive around the block. And then instead of looking in the mirror, looking out the back, I just adjust it to my face and look up every now and then and go, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. God's still for you. God still lives in you. God's still on your side. Just because you haven't seen it come to pass, if he said it, it will happen. You might have missed the date, but it's working. Right? But if you all of a sudden start thinking, great, I missed the date, If he said it in his word, or if he dealt with you about it, then regardless if you miss the date, it's still coming to pass. You just got to encourage yourself and go, it's working. You know, the famous line from the Star Wars, nobody likes that kid. It's working. Somebody said, what are you talking about? It doesn't matter. It's working. And the fact is... When we think on the negative, it takes courage from us. When we ponder, uh uh-oh, even if you did miss it, don't ponder that extensively. Because I'm going to just tell you, if you haven't missed it, you're going to at some point. And if you just live thinking, I failed, I blew it, you're going to be discouraged inwardly. And Jesus said, you have control over that. So just start thinking on the bright side. Somebody said, yeah, but what if that doesn't come to pass? At least you'll be happy sinking. (laughs) It sure beats panicking and sinking. No, it will, because what happens when we think faith thoughts, those are thoughts of confidence. It builds confidence into our heart. When we think hope thoughts, it builds hope into our hearts. What is hope? It's about a bright future. What is faith? It's about present tense. And you can dream. I mean, people do this all the time. And with stuff that virtually will never happen for the most part. Meaning you got better chance of getting hit by lightning than winning one of those massive lottery things. But how many people, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but have honestly at one point, I've done it. Thought, wow, what would it be like? Four hundred and seventy-five million. I'd end up with about three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. That's pretty good. Just one little, uh, one little ticket. And then you start picturing how life will be. Did it make you depressed? Oh yeah, I was just so depressed. I was thinking, I'm gonna have to get that big old huge house and. I'm gonna have to get all those cars, and I'm gonna have to get a beach house, and I'm gonna have to get a mountain house because the beach, you know, it doesn't have everything. Then I'm, I'm just gonna have a bunch of money, and I'm gonna be eating at all these real nice restaurants all the time. I'm gonna be able to buy all my family a house, and I mean only million dollar homes, not like a twenty million like mine, (laughs) because I'm the one with the money. This is depressing. And if everyone in here has thought like this, none of us have won the lottery. And if you have, you owe me a million bucks or something, (laughs) right? But think about it. We've thought that way. And it brought you up. And it was false. There was no foundation. Many times when people think on the discouraging side of life, there is no foundation for it either, and it doesn't ever come to pass. Oh, great, what's my boss going to say? He wants to talk to me. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And you're all troubled, and he calls you in, and he's like, Hey, I just want to tell you, you've been doing really good. I was thinking, we should promote you. <laughs> well, w- well, then when are you going to fire me? <laughs> you were thinking way wacky. Nobody's ever done that here, Right? How many anticipate bad and they start thinking bad and then it turns out good, you allowed yourself to be troubled and Jesus said, don't let your heart get troubled. And so then he gave them things to think on, faith thoughts and hope thoughts that he would present tense be looking upon them, working, preparing a place and future tense, I'm coming again. In other words, what he did was he said, I'm giving you an expiration date concerning this thing he did. I'm coming back. That's an expiration date. It's not always going to be this way, and eventually in that new kingdom, these guys are going to sit in certain places. But he gave them hope, and we need to understand, though this is for a broad picture, it's still true with us. The dreams and the desires may not have happened last Tuesday, and you might think, well, where did they go? You know, when I was transitioning to come here, Something fascinating happened to me that um, I'm not always proud of every moment of life, but, you know, I've done a few things that I went, ooh, yuck. And I remember one of them, there was a, a girl there who's now married to, she worked with me in the youth, who's married to actually Joe Morris, that minister she worked with me. She was in Thailand. The Lord dealt with her, spoke to her, and said, go work with David. And so she was a missionary in Thailand. She told me she ate rice with little bugs in them crawling. I thought, praise the Lord, the Lord told you to quit. No. <laughs> she was great help. And she would pray for me and stuff. And I remember one time she came and knocked on my door because she lived just down the street. And she would walk around the block. And she came and knocked on the door. And I opened the door and I said, hey. And she said, do you have a minute? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, have you been praying about starting a church? I think you're going to start a church. And I was like, oh, well, then you should just pray about that. Well, I already had, but who am I? I can't tell her. I haven't even talked to the pastor yet. I was just yeah, just, well, pray about that. And I'm thinking, I can't tell you. Okay, and then she leaves. A week later, knock at the door i don't know if she's walking around like hey you got a minute sure um have you been you know i'm praying and are you going to start a church well um you should you just if you're getting that pray so the lord will let me know and i'm knowing this but here's the thing finally the pastor knows it's years before it happens And he said, well, have you told anybody? I said, no, but she keeps coming to me about this. She did it more than just those two times. We'd be in the parking lot of the church. Hey, you know what? I've been praying. Then finally I was able to go back and go, hey, here it is. And so the pastor said, you can talk to her about it. Obviously God's letting her know. So I'm like, cool. So, uh, here I am, and I see her, and I'm like, hey, just let you know, you know all the times you said this. And I was like, whoa, 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 that's interesting. I actually knew, but I had not never talked to the pastor. He knows blah, 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 long story short. So I would talk to her at, periodically, and God would just be moving on me week after month, month after month, meaning for over a year, just burden to pray, burden to pray. So I'd talk to her about things and talk to her, and then it had gotten to the point Probably about two years in, you know, two full years, I'm thinking, when's this going to happen? I don't know if I can handle this inside. And uh, I had been talking to her, and it just disappeared, maybe two and a half years, just disappeared. And I asked her, I said, do you notice it anymore? She said, no. Well, then you could let your heart get troubled. I thought, what did I do wrong, God? it's not going to happen. It's not there. I can pray about it. It's not there. I, it's not there. You ever reach your hand in a bag? I, th- I put that thing in. It was there. It's not there. It is not there. No, I just wouldn't have able to find it. But anyway, I remember thinking, I don't understand. Did, it, did I do something? I'm like, I didn't rob a bank or anything. I don't even think I took a pencil from the church. I don't know what I've done. What caused this just to be gone? All hope was gone. Serious, I thought, all that praying, all this, and it just went blank. And I remember it was getting close to Christmas, and the pastor was doing this series, and, uh, you know, just kind of leading up to Christmas, the different stories. And he talked about Elizabeth, you know, uh, John's mother and and his father and how he went into the temple and the angels spoke to him and to name the child a certain name and he got into doubt and started talking wrong. Remember that? And he got struck dumb. Couldn't speak till the time the child was born when he went to name the child. When he went and named it right, began to speak right, all of a sudden he could speak again and i thought to myself i still remember where i was sitting in the church and uh i remember thinking to myself because normally i sat on the front row but for some reason i was like on the second or i was on this side that's what it was and then i remember thinking i wanted to turn around so bad after and tell this person because i just heard the pastor preaching and underneath my breath i said Well, that never happens anymore. God's striking people dumb. And I heard on the inside, Yes, I do. And like you snapped your finger, I realized what had happened. I had been talking wrong, expanding my viewpoint about what God was going to do here, and we were discussing outside the lines, so God just quit talking to me, I had nothing to say on that subject. It wasn't that it was gone. It was still there. But he didn't let me recognize it because I was starting to talk out of bounds. And I went, you do strike people dumb. I said, forgive me, Lord. I'll watch what I say about that. I'll be careful not to talk outside the lines and expand with my own opinion And the minute I did that, it all came back, and it was like it had never left. I went and told her. She did the same thing, and it was right back with her, too. So then when I talked to her, I decided, I'm going to be careful how I say what I say. It's still going down. It was there. There was just a time it looked like it wasn't there. But it still was there. And here's the thing. The things with God, they can still be there. We just don't always recognize them. It doesn't mean they're not happening. You with me? Sometimes God will just help you to not muddy the waters. Let's look at this one verse here in Hebrews, and we're going to close. Hebrews 6, the 6th chapter. So if we want to have courage and know that this is the way to keep our hearts from being troubled, you have to ask yourself, if I find myself discouraged or depressed... You ever found yourself discouraged? Your heart troubled? You know what you need to do? Ask yourself, what have I been thinking on? What have I been pondering? What have I been dwelling on? Now, like I've said before, now that you hear that, you shouldn't be discouraged that you were thinking wrong. Oh, great. I was thinking wrong. That's nah, Stop it. That's like keeping the cycle going. God gave the answer to help us so we didn't have to be discouraged. And even though they missed it and didn't get the exact date, it wasn't that they had it altogether wrong. Their just structure of how it was all going to come to pass was not right. But it was going to happen. So here in Hebrews, the sixth chapter and the 19th verse, and we'll begin reading. And it's interesting, we'll read this, you may not agree with me at first, but these verses are almost identical. Verse 18, that by two immutable things, in other words, God has swore two different ways, promised, gave two different promises, in which it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, God gave these promises so they could have trust which is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation or encouragement, comfort, who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us, or this expectation. This hope we have is an anchor to our soul, or our hearts, our emotions, both sure and steadfast, and which enters, whatever this hope is, enters The presence behind the veil. In other words, into the most holy place. It says, where the forerunner has entered for us. Even Jesus. Having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You say, now if that says what John 14 says, I'm not getting it. Let's read it again. Notice. We fled... The last part of 18, this world, this ways for the refuge that's ahead. To lay hold on this hope, this expectation. This expectation is Jesus. In verse 19, this hope or Jesus we have as an anchor for our emotions. Both sure and steadfast. Which or Jesus who has entered the presence behind the veil. He's gone into the most holy place in heaven where Jesus, the forerunner, has entered for us, having become high priest. So he's there, he's a high priest. But that word forerunner, if you know what it means, changes the whole picture. Jesus has left the earth. Didn't he say that? I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'll receive you to myself so that where I am, you can be there with me forever. And he said, this should anchor your soul. You should become heavenly minded. You should think that life is not just the time you live here and it's over. But there's a lot more to it and there's something that needs to be done now. And the interesting thing when he said, this is the anchor to your soul, to your emotions. This is how you keep your heart from not being troubled. And what did he say? He kept talking about Jesus being in heaven as the anchor, but he called him the forerunner. The forerunner. The Greek word for forerunner means this, one who comes in advance to a place where the rest are to follow. So he's already gone there so that the rest might follow. What did he say? I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and get you, and you'll have a mansion there. The rest of us can follow. But he said this way of thinking should be an anchor to your soul that he's gone away and... He's coming back. Now understand, they're going to live their life. We're going to live our lives. And he wants us to stay out of troubled hearts. Not just out of trouble, having hearts that are troubled. And he said, this kind of thinking becomes an anchor to your soul. What's an anchor for? Anchors are to secure things, to secure your heart, to secure your mind, to secure your emotions. He said, if you don't think right, your emotions will get troubled. And what you need to do while you live here in this day and in this time is be heavenly minded. Think on Jesus. Know He's there Know he's working on your behalf, and no, there's an expiration date on this whole thing. He's coming back, period. And we need to think like that. Or what happens if I don't use the anchor that is given for my soul? What if you say, well, I don't like the anchors, they're heavy, they're a lot of work to just take and throw up out of the boat. And I, I'm just using the rope. It's easier to pull that in and out. It's just a lot of work. Have you ever done that? Pull an anchor for 100 feet up like this? I mean, don't need to go to the gym. Go like this, like this, one hand, one hand. You're just pulling that thing up. I've done it for more than 100 feet. It'd be just easier not to do that, just to throw the rope out. Yeah, but the rope ain't an anchor. And so he said, this is an anchor This way of thinking is an anchor. Know that just because things have been deferred or maybe haven't come to pass doesn't mean they're not working. And don't think, man, it's always going to be bad. No, you should start thinking faith thoughts and hope thoughts. It will lead your heart into courage. And so Jesus said right there, This is what you're going to have to do while I'm gone. And if he gave you the anchor, it was so you could be steady and fixed. And one thing I found out about an anchor, if you get it fixed, if it's calm, it'll hold the boat. If it's stormy but it's fixed, it'll hold the boat. No matter what external things are coming, if you use the anchor properly, you're going to be fixed. You're going to be steady. And he said, Keeping me in mind that I'm looking out for you, that I'm working on your behalf, that I'm above, will steady your emotions that things are happening. Amen?